what's up everybody welcome to the show my name's emily and i'm paige and we are ready for this dramatic reading of half of chapter 10 of new moon and you're listening to tuesdays are for twilight what's up pageroni how's it going Today was a mixed bag of emotions. The pros of today include I got a 98% on my mortuary law and compliance class. My first exam got a 98%. Feeling really proud about that. I did break the garbage disposal today, so that's kind of a con of the day. But I made a lasagna, and we, my roommate Liddy is going to put it in, like, halfway through us recording. So it might be ready when we finish. That would be the ideal world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's going to make a salad, so it's just going to be like a whole-ass meal. Like, usually I just make lasagna, and I take an L on the vegetable component, but she's making a salad, so it's actually going to be, like, not a bad dinner. That is such, like, an adult thing to do. I think the main difference, I was talking about this the other day, the main difference between, like, my cooking and my mom's cooking, because I'm a pretty good cook, I can't lie. I follow a recipe pretty well, like, but... The main difference is I don't do sides because a bitch cannot afford it. And so I love going to my mom's house because there's like potato salad. There's like other stuff, you know? Like, I I 100% get that. I try to make a side, but it's nothing fancy. Like my side is rice or my side is broccoli. You know, like it's nothing crazy. So having a full ass side with like spices, I I don't know about it. Yeah. I was just telling Paige before we started recording how this recording this podcast is number one on a list of nine things I have to do in the next three hours. So we're just going to bop right into it. Um, So this week I read all of chapter 10, The Meadow. Paige read part of it. What did you think of the part that you read? Well, Emily and I briefly chatted about this earlier. I did. It did warm my heart a little bit to read that Jacob supposedly has mono because mono and I have a really close heart emoji relationship, which I'll get into in a second. So that was really cute. Um, The other half that I read was really sad for Bella. I don't know what she was expecting hiking by herself. And then honestly, I was kind of shocked that she found the medal by herself. Like, good job, sis. But I was not expecting that. Um, I really thought that she was going to go with someone, Jacob particularly, and find the meadow together. So the fact that she did it by herself, I'm like, okay. But then she kind of like crumbles and that was really sad to read. Yeah, and that's where you had to stop too. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll go over the part that you read and then I will do the reading. So... We left off in the last chapter with Jacob and Bella on the phone and him saying, you know, like, you can't come see me. I'll call you when you can. So this chapter begins with basically Bella trying to get in touch with Jacob and it's completely unsuccessful. He doesn't call. And so she decides to go see him, but there's nobody there when they get there. And so she's like, oh, my gosh, maybe he had to go to the hospital. So she goes to the hospital and the nurse says, that neither Jake or Billy had been in. I'm like, that sounds like a HIPAA violation, but whatever. <laughs> um, and then she has Charlie call his friend Harry Clearwater, who's a mutual friend with Billy. And there's stuff going on with Harry Clearwater. So Charlie's kind of distracted by that because he's having issues with his heart, it sounds like. 
But anyway, so they get around to the fact that supposedly Jacob has mono. And so Billy said no visitors. So Bella goes and does some research on mono. And she very rudely says, all I knew about mono was that you were supposed to get it from kissing, which was clearly not the case with Jacob. I'm like, you don't know. You could have. You don't know. I, um, yeah, one, that's very much a roast. No need, Bella, no need. But two, you can get it from other things besides kissing. It's transferred via saliva slash bodily fluid, mainly saliva, which is how the majority of people get it. Um, so he, I know that he doesn't have mono. I know that for sure. But he could have gotten it somewhere else, Bella. You don't, no need to be rude. I know. So unnecessary. So I have like four points to this whole thing. The third point being that um, mono could last more than a month. It can last like like over a year. Like you stop being contagious after a month-ish, but you can still have symptoms that last a really long time and it completely destroys your immune system. So just a heads up to anyone out there, mononucleosis is no heckin' joke. Just be aware. The fourth reason why I know so much about mono and why it has such a dear place in my heart is that when I met boyfriend of the pod, Danny, I met him on Tinder and he had mono, which is, how, first of all, how I know you can't get it from just kissing. This is very mysterious. He does not know how he got it. No one he knew had mono. He was not in a relationship or seeing anyone. He just got mono which means someone that he like shared a drink with or he just a very mysterious mono case. But we couldn't hang out for like a month and a half when we first met. So we just chatted the whole time and it was really cute. And I do have to thank mono for helping me get to know my boyfriend before we were able to like go on our first date. So thank you, mono. You, uh, you really did me a solid there. Shout out, Mono. You're the real MVP here. <laughs> That's funny. So after Bella does all this research, she is still very suspicious. She's like, I don't know, this seems, this just seems weird. So she decides to wait a week until she starts calling again. Because I forgot to mention the phone lines have been down, blah, blah, blah. It's just been a whole mess. So she struggles through the week. Um, talking about how lonely she feels and how much she needs Jacob. And then she calls on Saturday and Billy answers. And he's acting pretty like nonchalant, flippant. He says, you know, Jacob just had another virus, but he's out with his friends today. They're going to go see a movie. And so Bella is like, obviously very upset. She's like, her exact words, page 229, Jacob was better, but not well enough to call me. He was out with friends. I was sitting home, missing him more every hour. That's sad. It's really sad. But anyways, so she ends up hanging up with Billy. And then Charlie comes in and kind of notices that she is in a weird mood. And then she tells him, like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, did you want me to not go fishing today and hang out with you? And she lies and says she's going to call Jessica, once again, using Jessica or her, just her existence as a pawn. Also, we got to talk about this line on page 231. Um, 
Charlie says, that's a good idea. You've been spending so much time with Jacob. Your other friends are going to think you've forgotten them. I smiled and nodded as if I cared what my other friends thought. Ouch. Yeah, I mean, I my heart goes out to Angela here. Angela seems like her real friend who genuinely cares about her. And Bella really, I mean, I thought that Bella really liked Angela back. I mean, to just completely throw Angela under the bus, not that she threw her under the bus, but negate her completely in this statement is just, it really makes me sad for Angela because Angela's done nothing wrong in either of the books that we, all, all three of the books that we read. I know. She just wants to love Bella. Such bullshit. Also, why doesn't Bella use Angela as an excuse? I, it's, why not, why not actually, like, talk about your friend who, like, actually, like, cares about you and you want to spend time with? I don't know. Maybe she has a guilty conscience about it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. She doesn't care about Jessica, so why not Why not paint Jessica or include Jessica in her lies? Yeah, exactly what I was trying to say. Ugh. So Charlie ends up leaving before he says that, like, he says stay out of the woods because there's a missing hiker, some really big animal prints, and they're setting up traps. So then despite this speech that he literally just gave, Bella decides to go into the woods and go hiking to try and find the meadow. Paige has her head in her hands. <laughs> I, first of all, you should not go hiking by yourself. I, I don't care who you are. Don't go hiking by yourself. Have you ever heard of a film called 127 Hours? There's nothing good that comes from hiking by yourself. Two, don't go hiking by yourself if you can barely even walk without injuring yourself. You've been to the emergency room two times in the past month. You don't need to be hiking by yourself. Three, you don't even like hiking. I know why you're doing this, but I just can't wrap my head around it. Like, I can't imagine, I, I feel like I'm on, you and I both actually are on the same wavelength with Bella when it comes to hiking. To cause one of us to go hiking on a whim by ourselves, shit's got to be fucked up. That's all I got to say. I am losing it on how you pronounced a whim. I mean, this is literally survival 101. Like, it's not stupid. And her dad just got done giving her a speech about a bear. Earlier in the chapter, too, she makes some comment like, I don't care about stupid bear or something like that. Karma. I I know that this isn't a real bear, but I just I I want her to get spooked so she never goes hiking again. It's not good for you. Yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so with that in mind, Bella starts hiking and she's just talking about how lonely she is and she's kind of getting nervous about getting there and then all of a sudden she just is there she kind of stumbles upon the meadow um and as Paige was kind of mentioning earlier in the beginning of the episode it's pretty rough she's like she realizes that what she's looking for is not here it doesn't have a trace of Edward it makes her re relive painful memories you know it's breaking her heart she kind of sits down 
in the grass and she's thinking about how she's glad that she's alone because like it'd be really awkward for Jacob to be here for this which we had mentioned last time yeah I just don't know how she how she thought that this was gonna go if Jacob had been there like as we mentioned in a I think the last episode either this was going to happen or she was just gonna have hallucinations while he's there like it's just awkward for Jacob. What what was she expecting the experience was going to be like? I honestly don't think she even thought it through that far. No, I think you're correct on that. <laughs> well, we're pretty much up to where you stopped reading. Did you have anything else before we launch in? And I want to ask you about your theories of what happens next. No, I I had like one note for <laughs> the, the 10 pages that I read. Okay, so do you have any predictions on what is going to happen? So I have a couple theories that I think that this chapter could take. One, I think Edward is still a possibility. I think he could make an appearance at some point during this. The meadow is the Edward place. It's, it is so Twilight trademark, this location. It's just like fully Edward and Bella. So if he does make an appearance, I would 100% not be surprised. He could be hiding out right now, just kind of creeping on her. He's going to pop out, say hi, and blow her mind. Maybe. I don't think that that's going to be what happens, but it might. What I think is going to happen is I think that the bear is going to make an appearance. The bear, quote unquote. I think that something, I think it'll be the bear. Maybe another vampire. I don't know. Something is going to pop out and threaten Bella. Could one of the other bears pop out and help her? Could Edward pop out and help her? I don't know. But I think that the bear, it's been mentioned so long. I think that I think that she is going to be threatened in this meadow. And something is going to come and save her. That's like my main theory right now. Something supernatural is going to happen in this meadow, whether it be vampire or werewolf scenario. Okay. I love it. Are you ready to jump in? Let's freaking do it. I'm going to leave off with the last sentence that you read. It was so much better that I didn't have an audience. And I wouldn't have to explain to anyone why I was in such a hurry to leave either. Jacob would have assumed, after going to so much trouble to locate the stupid place, I would want to spend more than a few seconds here. But I was already trying to find the strength to get to my feet again, forcing myself out of the ball so that I could escape. There was too much pain in this empty place to bear. I would crawl away if I had to. How lucky that I was alone. Alone. I repeated the word with grim satisfaction as I wrenched myself to my feet despite the pain. At precisely that moment, a figure stepped out from the trees to the north, some 30 paces away. A dizzying array of emotions sh shot through me in a second. The first was surprise. I was far from any trail here, and I didn't expect company. Then, as my eyes focused on the motionless figure, Seeing the utter stillness, the pallid skin, a rush of piercing hope rocked through me. I suppressed it viciously, fighting against the equally sharp lash of agony as my eyes continued to the face beneath the black hair, the face that wasn't the one I wanted to see. Next was fear. This was not the face I grieved for, but it was close enough for me to know that the man facing me was no stray hiker. And finally, in the end, recognition. Laurent, I cried in surprised pleasure. 
It was an irrational response. I probably should have stopped up fear. <laughs> you open your mouth like you want to say something. I my my only statement is what the fuck? <laughs> Buckle in, bitch. Okay. <clears throat> Laurent had been one of James's coven when we'd first met. He hadn't been involved with the hunt that followed, the hunt where I was the quarry. But that was only because he was afraid. I was protected by a bigger coven than his own. It would have been different if that wasn't the case. He'd had no compunctions at the time against making a meal of me. Of course, he must have changed because he'd gone to Alaska to live with the other civilized coven there, the other family that refused to drink human blood for ethical reasons. The other family like, but I couldn't let myself think the name. Yes, fear would have made more sense, but all I felt was an overwhelming satisfaction. The meadow was a magic place again, a darker magic than I'd expected, to be sure, but magic all the same. Here was the connection I'd sought. The proof, however remote, that somewhere in the same world where I lived, he did exist. It was impossible how exactly the same Laurent looked. I suppose it was very silly and human to expect some kind of change in the last year. But there was something I couldn't quite put my, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Bella, he asked, looking more astonished than I felt. You remember, I smiled. It was ridiculous that I should be so elated because a vampire knew my name. He grinned. I didn't expect to see you here. He strolled toward me, his expression bemused. Isn't it the other way around? I do live here. I thought you'd gone to Alaska. He stopped about 10 paces away, cocking his head to the side. His face was the most beautiful face I'd seen in what felt like an eternity. I studied his features with a strangely greedy sense of release. Here was someone I didn't have to pretend for, someone who already knew everything I could never say. You're right, he agreed. I did go to Alaska. Still, I didn't expect. When I found the Cullen place empty, I thought they'd moved on. Oh, I bit my lip as the name set the raw edges of my wound throbbing. It took me a second to compose myself. Laurent waited with curious eyes. They did move on, I finally managed to tell him. Hmm, he murmured. I'm surprised they left you behind. Weren't you sort of a pet of theirs? His eyes were innocent of any intended offense. I smiled wryly. Something like that. Hmm, he said, thoughtful again. At that precise moment, I realized why he looked the same. Too much the same. After Carlyle had told us that Laurent had stayed with Tanya's family, I'd begun to picture him, on the rare occasions that I thought of him at all, with the same golden eyes that the Collins, I forced the name out, wincing, had. That all good vampires had. I took an involuntary step back, and his curious, dark red eyes followed the movement. Do they visit often? he asked, still casual, but his weight shifted toward me. Lie, the beautiful velvet voice whispered anxiously from my memory. I started at the sound of his voice, but it should not have surprised me. Was I not in the worst danger imaginable? The motorcycle was safe as kittens next to this. I did what the voice said to do. Now and again, I tried to make my voice light, relaxed. The time seems longer to me, I imagine. You know how they get distracted. I was beginning to babble. I had to work to shut myself up. Hmm, he said again. The house smelled like it had been vacant for a while. You must lie better than that, Bella, the voice urged. I tried. I'll have to mention to Carlisle that you stopped by. He'll be sorry they missed your visit. I pretended to deliberate for a second. But I probably shouldn't mention it to Edward, I suppose. I barely managed to say his name, and it twisted my expression on the way out, ruining my bluff. He has such a temper. Well, I'm sure you remember. He's still touchy about the whole James thing. I rolled my eyes and waved one hand dismissively, like it was all ancient history, but there was an edge of hysteria to my voice. 
I wondered if he would recognize what it was. Is he really? Laurent asked pleasantly, skeptically. I kept my reply short so that my voice wouldn't betray my panic. Mm-hmm. Laurent took a casual step to the side, gazing around at the little meadow. I didn't miss that the step brought him closer to me. In my head, the voice responded with a low snarl. So how are things working out in Denali? Carlisle said you were staying with Tanya. My voice was too high. The question made him pause. I like Tanya very much, he mused, and her sister, Irina, even more. I've never stayed in one place for so long before, and I enjoy the, I enjoy the advantages, the novelty of it. But the restrictions are difficult. I'm surprised that any of them can keep it up for long. He smiled at me conspiratorially. Sometimes I cheat. I couldn't swallow. My foot started to ease back, but I froze when his red eyes flickered down to catch the movement. Oh, I said in a faint voice. Jasper has problems with that too. Don't move, the voice whispered. I tried to do what he instructed. It was hard. The instinct to take flight was nearly uncontrollable. Really? Laurent seemed interested. Is that why they left? No, I answered honestly. Jasper is more careful at home. Yes, Laurent agreed. I am too. The step forward he took now was quite deliberate. Did Victoria ever find you? I asked, breathless, desperate to distract him. It was the first question that popped into my head, and I regretted it as soon as the words were spoken. Victoria, who had hunted me with James and then disappeared, was not someone I wanted to think of at this particular moment. But the question did stop him. Yes, he said, hesitating on that step. I actually came here as a favor to her. He made a face. She won't be happy about this. About what? I said eagerly, inviting him to continue. He was glaring into the trees, away from me. I took advantage of his diversion, taking a furtive step back. He looked back at me and smiled. The expression made him look like a black-haired angel. About me killing you, he answered in a seductive purr. I wasn't about to purr, sorry. I staggered back another step. The frantic growling in my head made it hard to hear. She wanted to save that part for herself, he went on blithely. She sort of put out with you, Bella. Me, I squeaked. He shook his head and chuckled. I know, it seems a little backward to me too, but James was her mate and your Edward killed him. Even here, on the point of death, his name tore against my unhealed wounds like a serrated edge. Laurent was oblivious to my reaction. She thought it more appropriate to kill you than Edward, fair turnabout, mate for mate. She asked me to get the lay of the land for her, so to speak. I didn't imagine you would be so easy to get to. So maybe her plan was flawed. Apparently it wouldn't be the revenge she imagined, since you must not be, you must not mean very much to him if he left you here unprotected. Another blow, another tear through my chest. Laurent's weight shifted slightly, and I stumbled another step back. He frowned. I suppose she'll be angry, all the same. Then why not wait for her, I choked out. A mischievous grin rearranged his features. Well, you've caught me at a bad time, Bella. I didn't come to this place on Victoria's mission. I was hunting. I'm quite thirsty, and you do smell simply mouthwatering. Laurent looked at me with approval, as if he meant it as a compliment. Threaten him, the beautiful delusion ordered, his voice distorted with dread. He'll know it was you, I whispered obediently. You won't get away with this. And why not? Laurent's smile widened. He gazed around the small opening in the trees. The scent will wash away with the next rain. No one will find your body. You'll simply go missing, like so many, many other humans. There's no reason for Edward to think of me if he cares enough to investigate. This is nothing personal, let me assure you, Bella. Just thirst. Beg, my hallucination begged. Please, I gasped. Laurent shook his head, his face kind. Look at it this way, Bella. You're very lucky I was the one to find you. 
Am I? I mouthed, faltering another step back. Laurent followed, lithe and graceful. Yes, he assured me. I'll be very quick. You won't feel a thing, I promise. Oh, I'll lie to Victoria about that later, naturally, just to placate her. But if you knew what she had planned for you, Bella, he shook his head with a low movement, almost as if in disgust. I swear you'd be thanking me for this. I stared at him in horror. He sniffed at the breeze that blew threads of my hair in his direction. Mouthwatering, he repeated, inhaling deeply. I tensed for the spring, my eyes squinting as I cringed away, and the sound of Edward's furious roar echoed distantly in the back of my head. His name burst through all the walls I'd built to contain it. Edward, 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 I was going to die. It shouldn't matter if I thought of him now. Edward, I love you. Through my narrowed eyes, I watched as Laurent paused in the act of inhaling and whipped his head abruptly to the left. I was afraid to look away from him, to follow his glance, though he hardly needed a distraction or any other trick to overpower me. I was too amazed to feel relief when he started slowly backing away from me. I don't believe it, he said, his voice so low that I barely heard it. I had to look then. My eyes scanned the meadow, searching for the interruption that had extended my life by a few seconds. At first I saw nothing, and my gaze flickered back to Laurent. He was retreating more quickly now, his eyes boring into the forest. Then I saw it, a huge black shape eased out of the trees, quiet as a shadow, and stalked deliberately toward the vampire. It was enormous, as tall as a horse, but thicker, much more muscular. The long muzzle grimaced, revealing a, a line of dagger-like incisors. A grisly snarl rolled out from between the teeth, rumbling across the clearing like a prolonged crack of thunder. The bear. Only it wasn't a bear at all. Still, this gigantic black monster had to, be a had to be the creature causing all the alarm. From a distance, anyone would assume it was a bear. What else could be so vast, so powerfully built? I wished I were lucky enough to see it from a distance. Instead, it padded silently through the grass a mere 10 feet from where I stood. Don't move an inch, Edward's voice whispered. I stared at the monstrous creature, my mind boggling as I tried to put a name to it. There was a distinctly canine cast to the shape of it, the way it moved. I could only think of one possibility, locked in horror as I was. Yet I never imagined that a wolf could get so big. Another growl rumbled in its throat, and I shuddered away from the sound. Laurent was backing toward the edge of the trees, and, under the freezing terror, confusion swept through me. Why was Laurent retreating? Granted, the wolf was monstrous in size, but it was just an animal. What reason would a vampire have for fearing an animal? And Laurent was afraid. His eyes were wide with terror, with horror, just like mine. As if in answer to my question, suddenly the mammoth wolf was not alone. Flanking it on either side, another two gigantic beasts prowled silently into the meadow. One was a deep gray, the other brown, neither one quite as tall as the first. The gray wolf came through the trees only a few feet from me, its eyes locked on Laurent. Before I could even react, two more wolves followed, lined up in a V like geese flying south which meant that the rusty brown monster that shrugged through the brush last was close enough for me to touch. I gave an involuntary gasp and jumped back, which was the stupidest thing I could have done. I froze again, waiting for the wolves to turn on me, the much weaker of the available prey. I wished briefly that Laurent would get on with it and crush the wolf pack. It would be so simple for him. I guessed that between the two choices before me, being eaten by wolves was almost certainly the worst option. The wolf closest to me, the reddish-brown one, turned its head slightly at the sound of my gasp. The wolf's eyes were dark, nearly black. It gazed at me for a fraction of a second, the deep eyes seeming too intelligent for a wild animal. As it stared at me, I suddenly thought of Jacob, again with gratitude. 
At least I'd come here alone to this fairy tale meadow filled with dark monsters. At least Jacob wasn't going to die too. At least I wouldn't have his death on my hands. Then another low growl from the leader caused the russet wolf to whip his head around back toward Laurent. Laurent was staring at the pack of monster wolves with unconcealed shock and fear. The first I could understand, but I was stunned when, without warning, he spun and disappeared into the trees. He ran away. The wolves were after him in a second, sprinting across the open grass with a few powerful bounds, snarling and snapping so loudly that my hands flew up instinctively to cover my ears. The sound faded with surprising swiftness once they disappeared into the woods. And then I was alone again. My knees buckled under me and I fell onto my hands, sobs building in my throat. I knew I needed to leave and leave now. How long would the wolves chase Laurent before they doubled back for me? Or would Laurent turn on them? Would he be the one that came looking? I couldn't move at first though. My arms and legs were shaking and I didn't know how to get back to my feet. My mind couldn't move past the fear, the horror, or the confusion. I didn't understand what I'd just witnessed. A vampire should not have run from overgrown dogs like that. What good would their teeth be against his granite skin? And the wolves should have given Laurent a wide berth. Even if their extraordinary size had taught them to fear nothing, it still made no sense that they would pursue him. I doubted, I doubted his icy marble skin would smell anything like food. Why would they pass up something warm-blooded and weak like me to chase after Laurent? I couldn't make it add up. A cold breeze whipped through the meadow, swaying the grass like something was moving through it. I scrambled to my feet, backing light even though the wind brushed harmlessly past me. Stumbling in panic, I turned and ran headlong into the trees. The next few hours were agony. It took me three times as long to escape the trees as it had to get to the meadow. At first, I paid no attention to where I was headed, focused only on what I was running from. By the time I collected myself enough to remember the compass, I was deep in the unfamiliar and menacing forest. My hands were shaking so violently that I had to set the compass on the muddy ground to be able to read it. Every few minutes, I would stop to put the compass down and check that I was still heading northwest, hearing when the sounds weren't hidden behind the frantic squelching of my footsteps, the quiet whisper of unseen things moving in the leaves. The call of a jaybird made me leap back and fall into a thick stand of young spruce, scraping up my arms and tangling my hair with sap. The sudden rush of a squirrel up a hemlock made me scream so loud it hurt my own ears. At last, there was a break in the trees ahead. I came out onto the empty road a mile or so south of where I'd left the truck. As exhausted as I was, I jogged up the lane until I found it. By the time I pulled myself into the cab, I was sobbing again. I fiercely shoved down both stiff locks before I dug my keys out of my pocket. The roar of the engine was comforting and sane. It helped me control the tears as I sped as fast as my truck would allow toward the main highway. I was calmer, but still a mess when I got home. Charlie's cruiser was in the driveway. I hadn't realized how late it was. The sky was already dusky. Bella, Charlie asked when I slammed the front door behind me and hastily turned the locks. Yeah, it's me. My voice was unsteady. Where have you been? He thundered, appearing through the kitchen doorway with an ominous expression. I hesitated. He'd probably called the Stanleys. I'd better stick to the truth. I was hiking, I admitted. His eyes were tight. What happened to going to Jessica's? I didn't feel like calculus today. Charlie folded his arms across his chest. I thought I asked you to stay out of the forest. Yeah, I know. Don't worry, I won't do it again. I shuddered. Charlie seemed to really look at me for the first time. I remembered that I had spent some time on the forest floor today. I must be a mess. What happened? Charlie demanded. Again, I decided that the truth, or part of it anyway, was the best option. I was too shaken to pretend that I'd spent an uneventful day with the flora and fauna. I saw the bear. I tried to say it calmly, but my voice was high and shaky. 
It's not a bear, though. It's some kind of wolf. And there are five of them. A, a big black one, and gray, and reddish brown. Charlie's eyes grew round with horror. He strode quickly to me and grabbed the tops of my arms. Are you okay? My head bobbed in a weak nod. Tell me what happened. They didn't pay attention to me, but after they were gone, I ran away and I fell down a lot. He let go of my shoulders and wrapped his arms around me. For a long moment, he didn't say anything. Wolves, he murmured. What? The rangers said the tracks were wrong for a bear, but wolves just don't get that big. These were huge. How many did you say you saw? Five. Charlie shook his head, frowning with anxiety. He finally spoke in a tone that allowed no argument. No more hiking. No problem, I promised fervently. Charlie called the station to report what I'd seen. I fudged a little bit about exactly where I'd seen the wolves, claiming I'd been on the trail that led to the north. I didn't want my dad to know how deep I'd gone into the forest against his wishes, and more importantly, I didn't want anyone wandering near where Laurent might be searching for me. The thought of it made me feel sick. Are you hungry? He asked me when he hung up the phone. I shook my head, though I must have been starving. I hadn't eaten all day. Just tired, I told him. I turned for the stairs. Hey, Charlie said, his voice suddenly sus suspicious again. Didn't you say Jacob was gone for the day? That's what Billy said, I told him, confused by his question. He studied my expression for a minute and seemed satisfied with what he saw there. Huh. Why, I demanded. It sounded like he was implying that I'd been lying to him this morning about something besides studying with Jessica. Well, it's just that when I went to pick up Harry, I saw Jacob out in front of the store down there with some of his friends. I waved hi, but he, well, I guess I don't know if he saw me. I think maybe he was arguing with his friends. He looked strange, like he was upset about something and different. It's like you can watch that kid growing. He gets bigger every time I see him. Billy said Jake and his friends were going up to Port Angeles to see some movies. They were probably just waiting for someone to meet them. Oh, Charlie nodded and headed for the kitchen. I stood in the hall, thinking about Jacob arguing with his friends. I wondered if he had confronted Embry about the situation with Sam. Maybe that was the reason he ditched me today. If it meant he could sort things out with Embry, I was glad he had. I paused to check the locks again before I went to my room. It was a silly thing to do. What difference would a lock make to any of the monsters I'd seen this, afternoons, this afternoon? I assumed the handle alone would stymie the wolves, not having opposable thumbs. And if Laurent came here, or Victoria. I lay down on my bed, but I was shaking too hard to hope for sleep. I curled into a cramped ball under my quilt and faced the horrifying facts. There was nothing I could do. There were no precautions I could take. There was no place I could hide. There was no one who could help me. I realized with a nauseous roll of my stomach that the situation was worse than even that, because all those facts applied to Charlie too. My father, sipping one room away from me, was just a hair, hair's breadth off the heart of the target that was centered on me. My scent would lead them here, whether I was here or not. The tremors rocked me until my teeth chattered. To calm myself, I fantasized the impossible. I imagined the big wolves catching up to Laurent in the woods and massacring the indestructible immortal the way they would any normal person. Despite the absurdity of such a vision, the idea comforted me. If the wolves got him, then he couldn't tell Victoria I was here all alone. If he didn't return, maybe she'd think the Colons were still protecting me. If only the wolves could win such a fight. My good vampires were never coming back. How soothing it was to imagine that the other kind could also disappear. I squeezed my eyes tighter and waited for unconsciousness, almost eager for my nightmare to start. Better that than the pale, beautiful, beautiful face that smiled at me now from behind my lids. In my imagination, Victoria's eyes were black with thirst, bright with anticipation, and her lips curled back 
from her gleaming teeth in pleasure. Her red hair was brilliant as fire. It blew chaotically around her wild face. Laurent's words repeated in my head. If you knew what she had planned for you. I pressed my fist against my mouth to keep from screaming. That's the end. I was not <laughs> expecting so much of that. Like, I, I, I thought that perhaps there would be another vampire. Like, there, I, I figured there was going to be a threat of some kind, as I had stated earlier. But if there was, I was thinking it was going to be someone that was new, you know, a, a new character. I completely forgot about Laurent and Victoria. I literally forgot about them. I mean, it's it's not weird that they're making a reappearance. But honestly, I I think in like episode 15, I was like, I like Laurent. He's cool. He's a cool guy. He's one of my favorite characters. And so I didn't even think about him being into some murderous shit so this is very very surprising for me I also I mean I'm not surprised that Victoria and James were mates they were very close in Twilight so that makes a lot of sense and their relationship was mysterious but they were clearly they had some kind of connection so hearing that they're mates and now Victoria is out for blood for the whole thing not surprised about that I think this is not going to be the last we're hearing of this the, clearly Victoria, I mean, from the ending, Victoria has her own agenda right now. I don't know what that entails, because, I mean, I feel like the worst thing is that Bella dies, but, like, what could be so horrible that it's so mysterious, you know, that, like, he could have just said, Victoria wants to kill you, you know, like, that's that, like, why the secrecy of it all? I feel like it has to be something really bad. I don't know. I feel, I feel very ominous about the whole thing. Um, and I feel like the russet colored wolf is pretty obviously Jacob. She thought as soon as they made eye contact, my, my mind went to Jacob. And also he's, he has like, I feel like that's like the color of his hair, the color of his skin, the color of his eyes, like that just like, like tan, dark, almost like orangey, umber kind of tone. It's clearly Jacob. It's gotta be, you know, it's gotta be him. Um, I am wondering about what Charlie saw, like what could have possibly been going down in front of that convenience store? Because he's hanging with a group of people. My mind goes to Sam Uli because there appears to be some kind of, I mean, it's the LaPush gang. I think that it has to be some kind of just group of werewolves or people who have gone through some kind of supernatural transition. So my thoughts are that he's with them, but I know he doesn't like them and he's clearly in a bad mood or something is rubbing him the wrong way. Has he found out that Belle is in danger? Have they found out that Laurent is in town? I don't know. We're going to get more information about this. I know we are, but... I guess my whole summarization of this whole thing is my mouth is wide open. I do think that Laurent is dead. I think that they killed him. I don't think that he made it out alive because someone threatening Bella, Bella Jacobs love Bella. Are you kidding me? He's gonzo. He's dead. He is not alive anymore. Um, but I just want to know more about Victoria. I want to know what her plans are. 
this is not the last we're hearing of Victoria. I am putting money on that. This is not the last. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, also, I feel I feel like this is the first time that we see Bella legitimately showing fear. She, like, she's been in very dangerous situations. Even when she was with James, she had a very strong face. And I feel like she really confronted that and was brave about the whole thing. But the fact that she she doesn't have, as far as she knows, she doesn't have someone there to keep her safe that has a supernatural strength behind them that can protect her. She is very vulnerable in this situation. And I think this is the first time we're really see, seeing her fearing for her life, realizing that she could easily die in this moment and reacting to that, I guess. We have not seen that in Twilight or Midnight Sun. So it was, it was, I guess it was almost jarring to see her actually react the way that I guess she should, you know, in a really dangerous situation. So that was, that was different, you know. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to address. Um, I love that she locked her front door. Like, sis, is that really, that's gonna, that's gonna do it? That's gonna be the thing that stops the vampires? Yep. Edward spent every single night with you in your bedroom. But yeah, sure, you lock those front doors. That's gonna, that's gonna help the situation. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's it. Those are all the points that I wanted to make. Okay, yeah, I had a lot of the same points. I hadn't thought about that, like, that it's Bella's first time, like, reacting appropriately. That's so true and so awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm wondering genuinely how big these wolves are, because wolves in general are very big. Like, you don't think, like, you think, like, a wolf is, like, oh, yeah, the size of a dog. But if you ever see, like, a, a video of a human with a wolf, they are very large. And to have Bella say, like, no shit people thought this was a bear. This wolf is huge. I'm just wondering how big they really are, like, in in the canon, you know? Well, she did say as tall as a horse. So. Yeah, that's that's scary. And, like, the very first wolf she sees is the black one, who is, I'm assuming, the, the bear that people are seeing is, is this wolf. I'm wondering if that's a, a larger than average werewolf if that's if that's average if that's small like I want to know more okay question why do you think Laurent responds the way that he does are you confused in the same way that Bella is confused because you think that they got him so like how would he did he just instinctively know he was in trouble or, or what do you think about that I mean the as far as we know I mean in Quill you lore the the Quileutes know about the vampires. They know what they're capable of. They're, at least Billy knows, you know, like who the vampires are and what they do. So my thoughts are that the vampires know what the werewolves can do. You know, like I think that it's kind of a mutual understanding of what each side is capable of. And even the Collins, I, I mean, I guess really only Edward has kind of put his two cents in. Edward seems to have some kind of knowledge about the Quileutes. And in Midnight Sun, we see him talking about the treaty that they have. So he does have some understanding of the supernatural side of things. So my thoughts are that 
they probably do pose a threat to vampires. They probably are a formidable foe for them in somewhere or the other. I mean, I'm thinking of wolves. They got teeth. They got claws. They can shred. They can tear someone to shreds. You know, they can obliterate someone. Uh, just a regular wolf for a human, you know. So I, I know that vampires have supernatural strength and strong skin and whatnot. But who knows the possibilities of the supernatural world. So I, I think it's I think it's just that in the vampire and the werewolf world, the two sides are aware and know what the other poses as a threat, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so corollary question. Do you think, like... Because Laurent's not from here, right? We don't really know where he's from. So I guess my question is, like, do you think that this werewolf thing is is possible in other societies? Or, or what do you think is kind of the, like, limitations of that? That's a good question. I think that it's not necessarily something in another society. I can see this being a cultural quilute kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, I mean, vampires have a unique sense of of things, I guess. I mean, maybe they're putting off a smell that's like, hey, you better watch the fuck out. Like, even if he doesn't necessarily acknowledge, like, I know exactly what this is and I can take it, maybe he just can tell, like, this is something weird. I don't know what this is. I This is something supernatural that I am not familiar with. And I just, I don't necessarily feel safe so I'm going to remove myself from the situation Laurent has already proven that he's kind of a coward when it comes to stuff like that and he will just retreat so I mean maybe he just senses that like things aren't necessarily going his way and he'll just leave before things get too crazy but like Bella said I mean if it was just wolves a vampire could definitely be like hey I can take this so he has to have some kind of understanding as to this isn't just wolves okay fair i like that theory i only had a couple points about this um as well one of them was the same (laughs) that you said i literally wrote so corny that she thinks of jacob when that wolf walks by like come on come on Mm -hmm. way to way to really make me wonder stephanie i I, I just don't know. I mean, a russet colored wolf. I just, I, I have no, no ideas, no theories. Eyes too intelligent to be animal or whatever she said. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Um, two other points. It would be very confusing to be Bella. Like, oh, just imagine you witness this. <laughs> I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, she's already, I, what my question, I guess, from this is that she's already had her world rocked into into vampires, you know? Vampires exist. Surprise. This is a whole new thing you didn't know existed. Why would you then not question every other construct that exists? Mm-hmm. Well, if vampires can exist, why can't the Loch Ness Monster? Why can't um mothman exist i don't know i just like like this kind of crazy shit happening i can definitely see i 
I can see and understand Bella being shocked and like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to think of this. But also like, you know, all kinds of crazy supernatural stuff is already happening. Why not add this to the list? True. I feel like Bella's just too logical for that. Like she's just a very logical person. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe she mentally cannot handle the idea of all those things being true. So she's just taking it one at a time. Yeah, I'm picturing myself, like, if I found out that something crazy like that existed, I would have to disassociate for about eight years. Eight years. <laughs> okay, my last point, I know that we talked about it when Laurent was first introduced in Twilight, but Stephanie is villainizing literally the only Black character she has introduced. Just thought that bo- that bears repeating. Yeah, and I feel like she... At one point, she commented about, like, I feel like his, his darks, the darkness of him, and it being kind of associated with evilness, or that it, something about the darkness of him caused Bella to step back, or, like, that she had a bad feeling about it. I'm trying to remember the exact sentence, but it was something to the extent of, like, the fact that he was dark, and that she was scared about it right right it's just disgusting mm-hmm. and unnecessary yeah it's I feel like it's easy as a white woman to pull that pull that shit you know like oh yeah well I can just write a, min- a minority character as being the villain because I don't have any other place to put them I guess you know it's just it's I think you used the word despicable when we talked about it in Twilight, and I think it's still applicable now. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Especially a black man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's all I have for this chapter. Um, we had to turn off video halfway through because my internet's not cooperating today, but I did get to see Paige's face when I said Laurent, and she was so shook, y'all. It was so funny. This new moon has been... I, I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. If I had a bingo card, like if I were to sit down and before we read New Moon and make a bingo card of what I thought was going to happen or who I thought was going to make an appearance, Laurent, I, I, like I said, I forgot Laurent existed. I, when you said the word Laurent, when she talked about a figure appearing, I immediately assumed it was Edward. I thought Edward was in the meadow. Like I I thought perhaps that was going to happen because she's describing a vampire. She, she talked about the like glowing features and the stoicness of it all and how she knew them. So I was like, Oh my gosh, it is Edward. And then you said Laurent and my jaw literally dropped. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) It was insane. (laughs) You just sounded like a dolphin. That's so funny. (laughs) Okay. So um, for next week, we're reading chapter 11, which is called cult. Do you have any predictions? Oh, Colt. That really, Colt makes me think that maybe Bella's going to get a glimpse maybe into the, or no, no. Okay, I'm changing what I was thinking. My mind just went a different direction. I think that Bella maybe is going to try and reach out to Jacob. All this shit is happening. She needs a friend to rely on. She's going to reach out to Jacob. Jacob, having gone through some kind of transformation, clearly, is going to be hanging out with Sam at this point. And, you know, before Jacob is describing his friend 
Embry, you know, who all of a sudden, you know, you know, he was cool. And then he's sick for two days or however long a week. And then suddenly he's hanging out with Sam. He's a completely different person. I think that Bella is going to reach out to Jacob. He's going to almost be a completely different person to her. He's going to he's going to be hanging out with Sam and she's going to think it's some kind of cult. Something is going on with Jacob and this group of people that she can't she doesn't know she just can't explain and does not know what's going on um okay i like that i do believe it's your week to do the socials okay um we have been getting some really great memes and i just gotta say please keep the memes up i know there's only so many memes that exist but we haven't seen all of them so please send them our way you can send the memes First of all, at our email, that would be twilight at gmail.com. You can send them via Instagram and also Tumblr at twilight. You can send them, send them to us on Twitter at TaftPod. It's a little different, but we will take the memes there. Um, I don't, thank you, Mila. I don't think that we can get memes on Patreon, but... If you wanted to send us some money, we would take that, too. And that would be at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. And as always, we please encourage you to help support the Quill Utes and their efforts to move their cultural ground. And that you can find all the information and where to donate for that at www.mthg.org. Flawless execution. I like doing making you do the socials because you're better at it and because then I spring the what else you got question and you have to like scramble or something. I totally agree with that, Emily. I was hoping that maybe you would continue your sentence maybe a little longer because I needed more time to think of something. It's the best when you don't think about it. Let's hear it. Um, even if you don't got a big butt, you still matter. All butts are important to me. Love it. We'll catch y'all next week for chapter 11 of New Moon. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Bye.